Boss Pod. Welcome. Um, my name is Leo. I am the producer and guitarist and Brand of Sacrifice, and I have with me Kyle Anderson, who is the producer and vocalist of Brand of Sacrifice. Um, Minimal production on my end, but... Nah, you have, you have a pretty big part, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> but uh, for those who, uh, who don't know, well, I guess, I guess you kind of have to know <laughs> if you're listening to this. <laughs> but uh, That's true. I don't know how often we're going to be doing this, but the Boss Pod is a podcast dedicated to all things brand of sacrifice. We're going to be talking about the new album titled God Hand, coming out July 5th on Unique Leader Records. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Maybe we should talk about the album a little bit. And Yeah, we, I'm just excited to get this thing out. Like We put in so much hard work onto the album. Basically, we start, what did we start writing it last summer? Yeah, essentially, I think it was. Yeah, so it's it was some, last summer, almost a year now. Yeah, almost Jesus. a year now of working on this record, and it's finally cultivated into something that you know you can hold in your hand. I can't believe it was last summer. Stream online. Yeah, that's crazy. I think you sent me. You sent me the pre-pro to. Um, it was Claw Marks was the first some, one. Claw Marks, yeah. yeah. Claw Marks was the first one. That's fucking totally crazy. different mix. Yeah, that was <laughs> completely different, dude. We went through like eighty different mixes. For this stupid record. <laughs> it's partially my fault. We can talk about that, though, too. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely, we can definitely talk about that. But yeah, I'm stoked, man. I'm, I'm so happy that um, this is finally coming out. I feel like we've been working on it forever, and I think there's a lot of good stuff on there. I think, too, like it's, it's, it, it's definitely a successor to The Interstice, for sure. Yeah. Um, almost in every way, like, especially with the overall structure of the the record itself and also the the songs themselves uh some songs still kind of go with the riff to riff type structure but uh we do have songs with actual choruses and hooks and whatnot which is really cool i think yeah i feel like band of this genre i feel like this is it's pretty different to be honest yeah and and it's definitely different but it's also there's aspects that definitely kind of are a nice callback to the ep yeah, I was going to say, like, I think we, we took everything that was good about the interstice and threw it in God Hand. But, like, we weren't, we weren't just recycling interstice riffs. Like, I feel like with the interstice, we were trying to figure out what we were trying to do. Because, like, each song on that EP is so different from one another. But I feel oh, like they're, flows, they're very different. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we took everything we loved... And like everything that we thought would be iconic about Brand of Sacrifice and tossed it into this record. So I think it's going to be pretty cool for people to hear it all. Also, we, we did all that, but we incorporated some steroids into the mix, yeah. I'd say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Everything to even like the sound of the snare to just how many more vocal layers there are and the way that the vocals were recorded comparatively and just like how hard things hit with different drops and yeah it's yeah it's definitely a little bit a more whole, polished and a little bit more uh outlandish i would say too i think that's kind of the fun of the band is that we just it's stupid heavy yeah it's the only way to put it like that's the, the fun of it like it's not it's not comical in the way that you don't take it seriously but you kind of laugh in enjoyment yeah like when you hear certain well i feel like extreme riffs. music and like deathcore and slam and all that like it's pretty funny music like in a way you know what i mean oh yeah 
especially <laughs> like your traditional slam like that has awful production and the yeah. tin can snare and everything like that that's it's funny but it's also the heaviest thing on the planet yeah exactly like it makes you so. smile it, it brings you joy when you listen to that kind of stuff so i feel like this this does the same thing and it was like it was really fun to write it's really fun to write brand of sacrifice uh music for sure like it's definitely my favorite uh project that i've worked on in my life so far i i, I agree and every time you would send me like riffs you were working on and stuff like that we'd just be it it would be in the chat capital letters lol 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 ha 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 but in the <laughs> in the best possible way because we're just like so stoked but it's just so it it, it brings a smile to your face, I think. And I don't mean that in like a cocky way or anything like that. It's just, it's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the listener experiences that as well, which I think is really cool. And I haven't maybe felt that as much with other projects that we've done, especially with the, our old band, the after which is more about an emotional connection that was yeah. a bit more serious and definitely more not, serious, not as lighthearted. Uh, it was very, it's a nice release. I'd it's, say it's so funny to say that too, because like, you would think that, you know, playing deathcore and death metal, you'd be more serious. Like you'd have, you wouldn't have a humorous vibe. Like I, I feel like Brand of Sacrifice's voice, like if if the brand had um, a voice or a personality, it's definitely more. I, I don't know what the word is. Like I wouldn't say humorous, but or lighthearted. It's just like, I don't know. It's not. It's not what you would typically expect from. Uh, from like a death metal band, which I think is awesome. I think that's super different. I agree. And it's, it's just, I'm never feeling like, even on the, the business side of the band and when it comes to the material, I never feel like it's a chore. It's, it's just fun. Constantly. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, absolutely. Like, there's definitely a lot of improvisation to it and a lot of experimentation, but it's not like, you don't have to force it. You know what I mean? I feel like with our past projects, I, well, I guess we wouldn't have to force it, but it was definitely more work. <laughs> like, we'd, have, we'd have to like flesh that out over a period of time. Yeah. Like, and for one have song, it cultivate for one song. Like, I, I mean, even writing some of the old music would sometimes take, for them, even the vocal melodies would take weeks. Yeah. It, Whereas this kind of just flows out because it's fun and it's, it's just like, I feel like it comes naturally to us. Yeah. And not to say like we didn't take our time and making sure that we were careful oh, we, we about what we were did. writing. Yeah, like I feel like we did, but at the same time, I feel like, um, like we got to relax a little bit and just have fun with it. And I think it really shows in the product that we're putting out. Like I feel like you can feel that. Like there are certain riffs on that album and certain parts of songs where I'm just like, oh my god, this is so dumb and hilarious and great. <laughs> like <laughs> like oh, it shouldn't be possible. Same thing with the vocals, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just ridiculous. So I'm I'm really proud and, of it. And it's I am too and even like kind of just to add to what I was saying, like the vocals get de definitely really silly, but I didn't actively go out and compare ourselves like, "Oh, okay, uh, that that really cool high scream from Infinite Annihilator. We got to right. do that too." Yeah. It wasn't like that. It was like this actually suits what I'm doing, but it's actually so stupid and it suits the section or. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a nice part about it because like we didn't, we didn't really have to refer to any influence to, to write this stuff. Um, which I think is interesting because like with, with past music, like I know with Ascarizes, like I always had to be in a certain mood and like be listening to fucking like 
the faceless and and you know a yeah. bunch of those like technical death metal bands. So with the Afterimage, I was always listening to pop. Um, but with this, it was just like, all right, well, um, I'm just gonna sit down and and see what kind of instrumental I can write today, and and then send it to you and see what happens. <laughs> which is which is sick. Like and I feel I like that's rare. And I think you know what's even more rare in my opinion is that there was almost no revision in terms of riffs. There yeah. were no songs that were scrapped. True. There were no riffs that were scrapped. Like there, we might have scrapped like some extra vocal stuff, but because we wanted to give the song some space, like in Divinity, for right. example. Uh just to give the listener some context. We actually had vocals over the whole kind of like build up section before the last breakdown where kind of we, uh, myself and Aiden from false fire trade, uh, vocals at the end. Yep. Uh, and then we just found that it just made more sense to, to let it breathe. Um, but that's, I think that's the only thing I can really think of where we completely removed something that we had written or omitted it. Yeah. I, I don't think, feel like we changed any of the riffs. It just, we, we rolled with it. Which is crazy to think about. I feel like songs just didn't make it on if anything was to be omitted or anything like that. Like, yeah, you're right. We, we really didn't go about restructuring any of the songs or anything like that. It just kind of yeah. stayed the way it was, which is, which, which is definitely rare and it is pretty cool. And I think, um, I think that it makes the music better that in a way where it just kind of flows, you know, and you can kind of feel the fun, which is... Um, which is really cool. So I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it, or at least I hope. And uh, this is a little, this is a little off topic, but just kind of speaking to the process of writing the record, uh, I didn't realize this till kind of looking at the track list just now. But the songs that we initially had written ended up towards the end of the record. Did they? Which really? is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, like I don't know. I got to pull darkness. up the track list. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. Beast that was the second one. And claw marks. Those are towards the end of the re- those are the uh, second and third last songs, and then um, got the actual track "God Hand," um, which was originally we called it "Jump." Yeah. In the in the pre pro version, that was you had started that around Dude, that yeah, in the that, summertime. That riff was well. around forever. That opening riff. <laughs> so I think the oldest the oldest stuff we had was actually is actually the end of the record. Yeah. That's actually crazy. And I just, I actually just realized that now, which is hilarious. Yeah, true. Cause I feel like, um, D- Divinity was pretty recent and so was Fortress. I think Fortress was like so last minute. So I think I actually remember Divinity, we started it in December because I was working, uh, for like a, a bank at that time. And, uh, and then I moved to a different job. And, and that's when we wrote, fortress at that point time flies so that yeah it, it absolutely flew yeah i i mean technically we wrote when did we submit it <laughs> when did we submit it um it was like was, was it, it march april? or april april march or april i can't remember exactly so we would have been writing it from I started that other job when you, when you wrote claw marks, I think you, that was like August. Yeah. So it was August, August to March, August to March. We wrote the record. That's not a lot of time. (laughs) You think about it. 
Yeah, and and funny story about album submission. We submitted uh, God Hand the day it was due, which is uh, <laughs> pretty pretty nuts. Pretty typical. It's, it's pretty tight. Yeah. 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 Usually a whole record be like mixed and ready weeks before the submission date, but we were we we're trying to like really kind of polish it up at the end. So, well, we we should tell the story like. We, we should we should tell people why that happened, because I feel like that's a really funny story and uh, okay, yeah, interesting. You, and it explains ahead, a lot of things. That. So um, a lot of people are, are likely familiar with um, or, or they're familiar with the fact that um, the mix that you hear on Spotify and I think on iTunes for Divinity is different from the record. Um, or I guess they aren't aware yet, but they will be. Um, or even even compared to yeah, Fortress. <laughs> Um, it's different. Yeah, that too. And initially we were going to mix the whole album that way. Um, but I think maybe like a week and a half before we submitted, we thought, <laughs> all right, we're going to change the mix and make it similar or use, use a similar temp- template to what we did, uh, with the interstice, um, because we felt like we had something there when we put the interstice out. So we're like, okay, well let's, let's just mirror what we had, um, with the first, um, record so we went ahead and remixed the entire album a week and a half before or at least throughout that week and a half and we submitted on the final day i was still mixing up until about like 10 minutes before we had to have we had to have the album submitted it was terrible it was it was such a bad experience that was so crazy oh my god i was so i've never been more stressed a little bit yeah yeah i've never been more stressed um (laughs) but i think it turned out all right i think it sounds pretty good um, but we released Divinity and we released Fortress, um, on YouTube with the original mixes and everybody seems to love those. Um, so I don't know, I guess we're in a good place. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day, they both sound fine, but yeah, I think that they both sound good and and they kind of have a little bit to offer for both different mixes. Yeah. I mean, uh, in the album version of divinity there's actually some new vocals like some layers and stuff yep, like that that's yeah, not true. there on the youtube one mm-hmm. or the spotify version i guess so it's kind of cool because you can listen to both of them and if you like one better than the other that's fine i mean yeah uh, it's kind of just a preference thing really uh, yeah i'd say that's true but yeah. uh yeah it's really just the core tones that are different and like different type of compression i think the youtube mixes hit harder but they're not quite as clean and quite as wide as what we achieved on the uh actual god hand mixes yeah um but yeah it's just preference i think at this point like like i said they both sound good in my opinion yeah they they definitely do yeah um but it's it's pretty rare that a band does something like that and both of them end up sounding decent too sometimes you'll get like a band releases a single that might be a bit lower quality because it's like an earlier version mm-hmm. of that song or right. something like that. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a very it's a rare thing, but I think it's kind of cool in a way. Yeah, I think it's cool too. I I like it. Add some I like, value. Exactly. Like I think I think some variation helps with like you know um, when when you go back and re-listen to everything or if you choose to do that, I think it's um, it, it definitely adds value there. Um, replay value that is but yeah um so yeah it was it was really interesting to record this album and and write it and um 
I'm really excited about it. I know Kyle's really excited about it, but we want to get to really the point of this podcast, which is to answer a bunch of questions that we've been getting um, on our social media. And it just makes it easier to answer all these questions in one place by doing this rather than having to DM everybody individually. Like we try to do that, but you know, it's kind of impossible. So hundred um, percent or just like spamming stories on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, that's, that has a shelf life too. It so does, it's not yeah. like people can save that. Right. And refer back to it. So. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to listen to this podcast and maybe you submitted a question, we chose 25 of them that we thought were pretty cool and some of them are like funny and you know so we'll go through those and i guess just uh rattle them off um do you want to start with the first one yeah i'm gonna gonna read it and then i'll have you answer the first one here all right um and maybe i'll add a little bit to it at the end but uh so question number one inspiration and goals for the band question mark that's pretty vague um (laughs) well it's kind (laughs) of well the inspiration is like it's pretty clear what the inspiration is uh lyrically i guess um i don't know i i I mean the inspiration instrumentally is just to be like the dumbest heaviest possible um deathcore band with like i guess some nostalgia in there because back in the day like i used to listen to a lot of like born of osiris and the faceless and like all these bands was like really, really cool, like electronic elements to them. Um, yeah. Which I think we try to incorporate um, here and there. And I think that kind of makes us stand out a little bit when it comes to like slamminess. I, I haven't heard that a whole lot in this genre. So I think the inspiration is like to be like heavy as all hell, but to sort of stay true to those roots. Because um, it reminds me of when I was like Agreed. a stoked teenager and like. I don't know. It's just, it's a good vibe. So that's, that's my inspiration, uh, on my end goals for the band. Um, I always hold like white chapel and suicide silence as like the benchmark for success in this genre. Cause I feel like they really were able to break the barrier, um, somewhat into the mainstream and they changed the game too. Yeah. Even yeah. On, on the metal level. And I, I mean, I don't think... Not that I'm saying we're going to do that. Right, but right. Like, I, I don't think that Brand right. of Sacrifice is meant to change the game. Like, I, I feel like, you know, the band has its place and I think we do what we do really well. Um, but I would like to see us grow to that point because um, I think it would be awesome. And, you know, obviously that's a big career yeah. goal for me. Um, I don't know, but what, what about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, the inspiration obviously is the Berserk manga. Um, a lot of people might not know this, but I'll kind of give a bit of background in, on the band and where it came from, I guess. Oh, actually, that's another question. I'll get to that after. I don't want to yeah. spoil that question. Cool. I think that's, that's going to come up a bit later. But the inspiration would be the, the manga itself. And uh, just kind of talking, kind of adding to what you were saying. Um, obviously, the bands like Born of Osiris is a huge one. Veil of Maya. Um, and then a lot of the slam bands like Devourment. Uh, I, I love even when we were playing lighter music in, in the after image and stuff like that, I was only singing. Like I always listen to abominable, uh, putridity mm. in the gym and stuff like that. And I always loved really heavy kind of slammy stuff. And I guess more on the underground side, disfiguring the goddess. Oh yeah. I always looked up to, to cam, uh, cam every as day a vocalist. Cam, I watched Cam every day back in 2010, every single episode, oh, even I episodes with, with Mitch yeah. and stuff like that. And 
that might a lot of the kids now might not know about that but i i recommend if you're bored on youtube one day and want to go down a rabbit hole just uh type in cam every day and just be blessed start from the beginning yeah <laughs> like just just that's binge right. it that was a huge that was a huge part of you know growing up in the metal scene was just uh watching what that guy was doing and i'm really excited to be honest for the new uh disfiguring the goddess stuff yeah sam i can't uh, wait that definitely influenced me heavily on this record and even on the interstice as well i really look up to to cameron argon as a vocalist and a composer too so yeah great guy uh yeah great guy very funny guy <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> not sure he's, if he's ever going to hear this but yeah, we love him we do uh the goals i mean I want to be able to play music every corner of the world that we can where there's a market. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm very, very happy and, and humbled by the fact that we're actually going to be able to play Summer Slaughter. Same. Um, that's yeah. always been, that's always honestly been a goal since I started playing metal and knew what Sumerian records were as in some, the Summer Slaughter tour. Um, you know, the, in terms of more, kind of short term i would love to go to somewhere like europe maybe australia um and then maybe down the line we could go places like mexico south africa um maybe places in asia would mm -hmm. be cool uh, obviously i want really want to go back to japan our old band the Afterimage, played a couple of shows in japan and uh i think eventually we'll have enough market there with brand of sacrifice i'd love to go back um but kind of what touching on what leo was saying as well you know maybe one day getting to a level of like a, a white chapel uh, or suicide silence is 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 a goal and if we don't get there that's fine i think but like that would be that would be amazing if we could get to that level yeah yeah i totally agree on the same page sweet um you want me to ask this question and you answer it yeah you, you go ahead all right i mean this this one might be re kind of redundant but um question yeah two. it's kind of touching on what we did yeah spoke about but question is what was the inspiration behind the music of the album okay so behind the music i don't know if that's referring to kind of the instrumental side of things um i would assume it is yeah but i guess i mean <laughs> uh, we have i i feel like we have an abundance of influences not more than what we just list on our page yeah it just stems from so many bands that we've been in writing all genres like just a funny tidbit is that um leo and i used to live together many years ago what was it like 20, six years ago or something yeah, at this point 2013 maybe 2013 2014 yeah 2013 2014 and we used to like just stay up till like 3 a.m eating pizza and <laughs> we made almost every genre of music that i can think of yeah. just funny silly songs and that actually i think even though those songs were dumb and they're probably terrible when we look back at them now I think that that kind of stuff had a huge influence on us kind of growing as songwriters and composers. Yeah, it was like we were, uh, we were practicing without even knowing we were practicing. And the thing, I think the key there was that we had fun doing it. Yeah. And we found a way to have fun making music that's, you know, uh, applicable to more of a market now, yeah. comparatively. So um, I think like you said you, we were practicing without knowing it on a level of growing as musicians but also when it comes to things like marketing and just understanding a fan base too so yeah yeah i think doing that was a huge help 
Um, I mean, in terms of inspiration behind like the instrumental, I, I think, you know, I, I spoke about it before, like just being heavy as hell and having fun and, you know, um, hoping that something good comes out of it. And I think, I think the having fun portion is probably the most important part because, um, you know, oh, it, yeah. it wouldn't be nearly as ridiculous if we didn't try just the funniest stuff. And I, I think it, it really just came out to be this crazy beast of an album. Um, and, and it wouldn't have happened without that type of experimentation. So, and just like a, a quick side note before we jump to the next question, if I could give any recommendation to a young band or like younger people, like maybe coming out of high school that are trying to make bands, have fun with it. Yeah. Don't dude. forget about having fun writing the songs and hanging out with your friends. Yeah. I as mean, soon as you start to throw that away and focus too much on what the market wants and, you know, not so much selling out, but like getting too lost in, in the product and what you think it should be or what managers think you should be writing and, and things like that, you start to lose what makes your music special. Yeah. So. 100%. I think that's one thing that we learned over the last few years heavily. Yeah. So. I, it's, that's the most important part. I mean, if you're not having a good time, you're not going to learn anything. You're not going to, you're not going to grow from experiences like that. So I think, I think you're absolutely right on the money and, and not to like, not, we're not trying to preach because obviously we're not the biggest band ever and we don't know everything, but I think I was about to touch on that. I was going to yeah, say, like, I didn't want to sound like but, <laughs> I'm but overstepping, like, but, but the point is valid. And I think, you know, um, we can speak for it because we've, we've been able to grow this band like a crazy amount over the course of a year, um, really by just having a good time and, you know, sticking to our core and, and having goals set, but not losing sight of, of, you know, what we're trying to do, which is to, you know, ultimately make this career and have fun doing it. So, um, yeah, I, I think hyper-focusing on whether or not you should sound a certain way or whether or not you should um, interact with certain people from a business standpoint a certain way is, is not important. Like, if, if your stuff is good and you're having a good time, then, you know, uh, the success will eventually come your way. Agreed. And I think if you, if you delve too much into those kind of things on the micro level, it has a more of a negative effect on the macro level. Definitely does. And we just, that's just something that we've found from just personal experience. And I think many bands can attest to that, that had struggles throughout yeah. the years. And, and I, and so I don't think we so. even realized, um, that was the issue until like two years ago, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Oh, totally. We, we were so stuck in like that type of methodology and we were just going about it completely wrong. So, um, yeah, I think that's super important. All right. Uh, so move on to the next question. This is a good uh, one. So question, th question three, which bands are you most excited to tour with on the summer slaughter tour? So I'll let you start off with that and then I, I'll jump into it after. I mean, I'm excited to tour with all of them. Um, honorable mention to the faceless because I used to play in a tech death band called Ascariasis and they were a huge influence on like, Oh yeah. My musical upbringing. I think, you know, that's going to be, it, it's just crazy that we are doing that. Um, so I'm super excited about that. And like Lorna Shore, the come up is real. Like I, I'm super stoked on them and it's awesome to be able to share the stage with another up and coming great act, uh, like them. And, um, you know, I think the whole package CJ's is a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Austin's a monster. It's going to be crazy. Um, yeah, I think the package is awesome. I think it's going to be a great time. So I'm stoked. Um, for me, 
obviously cattle decapitation is going to be probably one of the the number one up there if if not my favorite band that's on the package um i definitely look up to travis ryan as a vocalist um but growing up one of my favorite deathcore bands was actually carnifex hell yeah dude Uh, i was one of the first deathcore bands that i ever listened to when i used to still live with my mom in high school in in our townhouse i was blasting like lie to my face and slit wrist savior and all those like old old carnifex songs yeah before they even were on their full length record so and uh that vocal style is what i tried to kind of imitate at that time when i was just learning how to do vocals so um that's i mean that's it's it's huge for me to be able to share the stage with a band that i I looked up to and and loved growing up yeah um and rivers i just recently got into them that band is incredible wild i think people are starting to catch on to how good this band is uh they're growing exponentially but that it's one of the most talented metal acts right now easily oh yeah rivers and nile hands down um and then one thing that about us is that we're kind of geeks when it comes to marketing and kind of social media and stuff like that and there's no better mention than necro yeah for that type of stuff <laughs> yeah true they Love got it. that nailed it's so funny because we're such like, a fun band we we were joking about touring with them um like a few months ago we were like oh wouldn't it be so sick if we could tour with necro um that'd be like the memes would be amazing it's gonna be such a great time if we're able to do that and then lo and behold a couple months later here we are in a package with them (laughs) that's great we actually laughed (laughs) and we were laughing because we were so stoked yeah it's just it's awesome i can't wait it's great (laughs) i hope that we can maybe make some content with them that'd be a lot of fun yeah it would be great if we could i'm sure they'll be into it they seem like awesome dudes so yeah they seem really chill this this one's more for you I think than it is for me. Okay. Um, I'll ask. Right, it. I'll have you read it and then I'll, I'll answer it. Yeah. All right. Will berserk themes limit future storytelling? What happens if you guys want to write other stories? Is this just a platform for berserk fandom? All right. So that's three and one. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, kind of, kind of compartmentalize it a little bit here. Uh, so will berserk themes limit futures, uh, storytelling I, to be honest. Yeah. Eventually it would. Um, there's only so much material that's available. There's a lot you can really jump into. You can even discuss, uh, the philosophy of Berserk and that could take up a whole record. Um, but I think the plan is that we're going to do maybe one more record pertaining to it. It's not set in stone, but maybe then we'll move on to doing some more general storytelling or, or subject matter. Uh, time will tell, I guess. Uh, so that kind of go, jumps into the next section of this question. What happens if you guys want to write other stories? So that I feel like if we do another full record of kind of berserk related material, um, then eventually if we kind of move on, I mean, I, an example of that would be shadow of intent. They've kind of stopped doing the halo type stuff just because that's just the natural progression of their band. It wasn't, they weren't like, Oh, I hate halo now or anything like that. I think it's just moved on to kind of writing other stuff and i think maybe that'll happen one day or maybe we'll find that 
we still have a whole bunch to write about Berserk and we want to do that. But I think the plan eventually would be to kind of move on to some more topics. And maybe I will talk, like I said, like the philosophy of Berserk on a higher level, because that that delves into kind of general philosophy and the ideas of many different philosophers and so forth. So you could you could go you could write albums of that type of subject matter. So, yeah. Um, so I would say it's not just a platform for berserk fandom as uh you know if we with that in mind what i've just said uh but obviously right now that's a huge focus i i think though at at the same time on the other side of the coin here is that there's many people that get into the band that have no idea that we're a berserk theme band yeah yeah i'd say it's about a 50 50 split audience wise and i think that's actually really cool yeah because it, it shows that it's not it's not just dependent on that subject matter to gain the fan base and they're connecting with the music and the words that are being um, the subjects that are being discussed, even without kind of having knowledge of the lore, which I think is really interesting Yeah, and not often the case with uh, kind of themed acts. Right. Kind of covers that. All right. So question five, how do you guys go about writing songs? Divinity is a song that doesn't seem to have structure and is constantly changing tempo. How do you choose to implement stuff like that? I think no better person to answer that other than you, Leo. All right. Um, first one, how do we go about writing songs? Um, well, I mean, like I said, like I, I'm not diving into my influences or anything or listening to other music when writing this stuff. I mean, it, it sounds strange, like when you're not a songwriter or a producer or aspiring to be one, but like, I do a lot of my songwriting in the shower. <laughs> like, I think I've mentioned this before. <laughs> yeah, you got to explain this. You got to explain this to the people. Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard to explain, but like um, my my shower time is my meditation and my songwriting time. So like I could take a half hour shower and have a song written in my head. And it's just a, a matter of just sitting down with a guitar and making sure everything translates. Um, and, and usually something good comes out of that. and. You know, from there, basically, we'll put a rough mix together. I'll toss it over to Kyle, and he'll do his thing, and um, you have a song. Like it's 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 a pretty simple process, and like it's definitely impossible for me to break it down without sounding insane. But like that's how I write instrumentals. Um, that's how I always have written instrumentals for the most part. Like even like with the after image, I'll be listening to a pop song. If I hear a chorus that I like, I'll be like, oh, that's sick. How can we do something like that? Hop in the shower. <laughs> you know like it sounds it sounds nuts but um that's how we do it uh divinity is a song that doesn't seem to have a structure and is constantly changing tempo how do you choose to implement stuff like that so um i think the reason why we do that in our songs um is because it, it when we did it with the interstice it was it went over really well and i think that's something that's sort of core to our sound now so it's just um something that kind of helps with dynamics and you know, makes things a little bit more interesting in a genre that's usually stagnant with the same tempo, the same down tempo beat, and it's not as sporadic. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I want to incorporate some more extreme elements into this music, more technical elements into this music, um, and not just on the guitar, right? So like, if it involves changing tempo on the drums and slowing down the beat and spinning it back up while playing the same four chords so be it i mean it it sounds cool and i think it adds a lot of um dynamics and and um it just makes it sound more interesting yeah it definitely and cool. does yeah so 
Um, that's... It, it, to me, sorry to cut you off there. No worries. But to me, just from my perspective, when you, when you change, you can have a cool breakdown riff or a cool pattern. And if you play it for 16 bars, it then becomes something that is almost monotonous. Right. But if you change up the tempo with it, you can kind of change the whole feel and, and like you said, the dynamic of it. And I don't actually hear that a lot. You might hear one tempo change and a breakdown to a really slow, sludgy version of it. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to hear like three or four changes yeah, yeah. for certain sections and stuff like that. So it just makes it, it just adds a level of variation and almost like um, kind of comes out of left field for the listener in a way that's fun. Right. And uh, I think um, like if you listen to the song The Branded, on God Hand, um, really great example of of using tempo as a mechanism for dynamics, um, rather than just doing like a, a riff salad kind of ordeal. Um, a riff salad. Yeah. Well, like if you think about it, that song has like four riffs in it. <laughs> yeah. And and really, um, the thing that's holding it all together is is what's going on with the drums and what's going on with the tempo changes. Like um, that opening riff, um, or that opening section rather, is is played again um like three or four times in different tempos or not three or four times i think it's i think it's played twice but the song is so fast it, it's just it, you know. <laughs> yeah it's just a super quick song <laughs> yeah but but like it, it sounds like a, a completely different part even though it's the same part under a different you know beat um and i think um misha from periphery touched upon this i um i don't know if i learned it from him um or not but he put up a video about writing drums and how you can play the same riff over and over and if you just change the drum pattern you can write a whole song with one riff essentially um and that is very true especially in their music and i think it's true in ours as well so i think um if you haven't played around with drums and or tempo or anything like that i definitely recommend that you do because i think you can come up with some uh, pretty cool stuff I mean, look at look at something like "Bleed" by Meshuggah. Yeah, yeah. For example. Of course, yeah, Meshuggah. That's a that's a great example of implementing that strategy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's a cool one. I that, don't think it's done enough. So um, it's just something we stuck to, and sounds cool. In terms of what I do, I mean, Leo's kind of like the the mastermind in terms of what happens with the instruments and whatnot, and he'll ask me what kind of riff I want to hear occasionally. Oh yeah, I should have mentioned should come that. Next. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> and I'll have like a very small input. I'll be like, yo. Sometimes I'll even like beatbox something to him. Yeah, there there are like voice comment. notes sent. <laughs> There's a lot of voice notes and voice clips sent. And for some reason I don't know how he understands what I'm actually trying to say, but he does. <laughs> and then he'll send me back the riff and I'll actually just be crying laughing because it's exactly what I thought in my head, but in the form of like an actual produced track. We have a song <laughs> that didn't make it on the record that is written entirely from voice notes. <laughs> Damn, I really wish we could have included that. Um, just next didn't have record. the time. Yeah, next record we'll do something similar. But uh, yeah, so strategy works, man. Like why change it? Yeah, I mean, if it, bro- if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. Um, so I think that's pretty much it. In terms of like the vocals, the vocal stuff, it's, it's kind of just what comes natural to me. Um, I have a few different weird things that I do. Sometimes I'll just scream something 
with no words to it and gather like a pattern and a feel. And then eventually I'll write the words and then kind of redo that section again with the actual words from the record. Um, I'll do stuff like that. Or sometimes I'll just write all the lyrics for a whole entire song, fully structured and ready to go. And then I'll track them and maybe change a phrase here and there. Uh, but for the most part, it's pretty, that's pretty standard. It'll be a combination of those two strategies for the vocals. Yeah. I, I wonder what, uh, writing is like in other bands. I've always wondered that. Cause like, I feel like I have no idea. <laughs> I feel like we've written this way or in a similar way for a while, like where the instrumental comes first. I'm assuming it's pretty similar. It, it probably is, but yeah, I don't know. I'd imagine like when it comes to like pop rock, you might have a vocal hook that you'd base the song around or something like that. But I think in metal it might be pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. For sure. Yeah. It's usually like top line stuff in pop. Right. And then they add everything underneath after. All right. I'm going to read you this one too. Cause I, I can't really answer this one, but uh, question six preferred guitar pickups and <laughs> dream guitar. Oh, uh. and I would just kind of add to that. And I would say I would do two things. Number one, what do we use on the record and what guitars do we use? All right. All right. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to start with the actual question. Preferred guitar pickups. Uh, let me look this up. I have no idea. <laughs> so, okay. What's so the model of your guitar again? It's an, it's a, it's an Ibanez JBM 27, I think. I, the only reason okay. I bought this guitar is because, or, or JBM 100, I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to talk about periphery again, but I, I used to be a huge fan of Periphery. Well, I, I still am a fan of Periphery. I just don't listen to them as much anymore. Um, but if there's one thing I've learned from those guys, it's that they know their gear. So any any gear that's built by them or built in a, where they had like a hand in it, I'm in, interested because it's probably going to sound good and it's probably built pretty well. So I bought um, this Ibanez JBM guitar. It's a Jake Bowen signature guitar, believe it or not. Um, really nice. It has... Uh, I think they're DiMaggio Titans. Um, those they pickups got a snarl to them. Yeah, like I, I honestly like people talk about bare knuckles all the time. I think these sound better. I think these, these like, like they just sound so crunchy and they growl and it, it just sounds awesome. Um, I don't have a dream guitar. I don't care that much. But um, live, I think um, Liam uses his his Kiesels. Um, I'll be using the Ibanez that I play. Um, simple as that. One thing that to know about Leo, I guess, is that, you know, for a guy that's so talented on the guitar, his love is kind of more towards the crafting and production and that kind of aspect of songwriting more as opposed to shredding and whatnot. Yeah, that's so it's kind of an, it's an interesting, an interesting approach that you don't normally see with metal songwriters, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like most metal is very guitar centric, like when it comes to writing stuff. And I just don't like that approach. I used to, um, but like, um, I'd say that <laughs> tracking guitar and writing guitar is probably my least favorite part of putting a mix together. And and it, I don't know why that is. I maybe it's just because I've played in in bands where guitar magic is is like the focal point, and it just is so yeah. much I, I don't know um yeah i think if you take an approach where you think about what the listener is going to hear as a whole rather than just shreddiness and you know making stuff that sounds cool on the guitar um 
I, I think looking at as a whole, looking at it as a whole, um, will give you a better product. You know, I agree, and I, the 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 reason why I bring this up, sorry to put you on the spot with that, but uh, is I think that's that's kind of maybe something that helps us kind of differentiate ourselves from other bands in this genre uh, because of the the mindset maybe that we have. So yeah, and I I think you can hear it too because like. Boss isn't technical, really. I mean, it has some technical parts here and there, but I think it's more about making weird sounds and it's more about yeah. like, dynamic range in the songs and making stuff that slams um, and just writing a song that sounds well put together as a whole. Even if there is like minimal structure like Divinity, you know, it still sounds like a whole song and there isn't a whole lot of crazy guitar magic on that, in my opinion, you know? But I mean, I could be wrong. No, I think I think you I think you're right. This is coming from a guy that uh, could maybe play like "Smoke on the Water" on the guitar, or no, you shred like Teen Spirit, and that's about it. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> no, you shred. You. <laughs> F- fun uh, side note: I played all the guitar in our meme video where we're making fun of ourselves in the Eclipse music video. <laughs> yeah. So you can hear me shred on that. That's sick. All right, all right. Let's move on. Let's move uh, on. Yeah, let's move on. I'll, I'll read this one to you. This one's cool. All right. Um, a lot of bands that focus on thematic elements on a particular subject or pop culture phenomena are often seen as a gimmick, are often seen as gimmick bands, which typically drop an album and disappear. Boss is clearly going beyond this and breaking the mold. Do you feel like Boss wasn't taken seriously in the beginning? How do you see Boss evolving and expanding over the next few years? So this is a cool question or questions. Um... I think we touched on this a little bit before when we kind of discussed where we were going to go with the kind of the thematic aspect of things and, and the lyrics themselves. Um, I think I think we could always still talk about Berserk and I think it would be okay just because, like we said, we had that kind of 50-50 split. People that like Berserk and jump in because of that, but also people that gravitate towards the music just because of the sound and, and the way they feel when they listen to it. Um, so I think that's helped. That's, that's an aspect that's helped. Um, and maybe help, helped us kind of break the mold as that's mentioned there. Um, do we feel like we weren't taken seriously in the beginning? I actually don't feel like I felt in any of that from our perspective. Yeah, me neither. Um, fun fact that the band actually started as a side project. Uh, I like, I always wanted to make kind of brutal death metal slam oriented with a deathcore kind of approach type music for a while for years even when leo and i used to live live together we made a couple songs and we started some that were this kind of style um maybe they might uh mirror um eclipse more with the kind of tappy quick riffing uh we had we had stuff like that um so this is always something i wanted to do while kind of doing the the after image stuff uh, and focusing on that. Um, and then we quickly found that people were kind of getting into what we were doing and, and enjoying it. So, um, the, the afterimage kind of faded into the background in terms of the focus. Uh, and because we saw the potential that Brandon's sacrifice was, was showing. So we started to hone in on it a, a lot more. So I, I don't think that we ever felt like it wasn't being taken seriously or, or else we wouldn't have made that jump because that's a, it's a big jump to make in my opinion. Yeah, it is. Uh, and do we, 
do we see us ex- evolving and expanding? Oh, definitely. Uh, we're gonna, you're going to hear things that we didn't even touch on the last two albums when we for this new material. Even the first song that we just started writing that Leo had sent me the riffs for. It's definitely a, a big evolution. Uh, but obviously, we're going to stick to our roots. We're not going to become Nickelback or anything like that. But um, yeah, I, I, we're definitely going to evolve, and that's something we always seek to do, and we always want to have fun with it, and you know. Always have something that's a little bit out of left field for the listener in a good way. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what Boss is going to sound like next year. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's not, it's definitely not going to be softer or anything, um, at all. If anything, I think it's going to become more crazy. Um, if if you would consider yeah. that an evolution, <laughs> maybe not from a business standpoint, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. I think boss is going to continue to evolve. I think that there's, um, like, uh, tremendous, uh, what's the word? Not support. Well, I guess support, like, um, the, the trajectory yeah, is looking good. Makes sense. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that this garnered a lot more attention than, um, we initially estimated. And, um, I think that's, I think it's a good thing. And I think, um, we're going to use that and, and, you know, listen to your guys, uh, comments and, and talking points when you hear the album and, you know, listen to your feedback and sort of incorporate some new elements with the next stuff. Um, whatever that sounds like, but yeah, I think, I think we're just going to continue to grow. I don't see us stopping anytime soon unless like I lose a finger or like fingers on my hands, you know, all, uh, all the hopefully no one cuts them off. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't want those things to be slash off or anything, but, um, yeah yeah i think uh i think we're in a good spot and i think it's i think the next couple of years are going to be big for us i hope um and it it looks like they're going to be so yeah that makes sense and also we read all your comments yeah we do every single one we do we read mad even if you comment even if you comment on something that's not related to our social medias we read it true because we we appreciate it yep yep and even if it's shitty it doesn't seem to be a lot of shitty feedback out there which is good, but um, when there is, we see it as well. So, good or bad, we and, will take it. Occasionally, con- there's something u- uh, useful out of yep shitty comments. For to sure, be honest. So, yeah, they're absolutely constructive. Is. is the word I was looking for. Yeah. All right. Question eight. Uh, this one's this one's for you. All right. How do you guys feel about the recent Berserk series? Does it do Does it do justice for the franchise, or do you think it's shit? Okay, so I can only assume that this is referring to the 2016-2017 TV anime series. I think any diehard Berserk fan is fairly... It leaves a bad taste in their mouth for a number of reasons. First would be the, the studio that animated it used completely 3D assets. It's not really hand-drawn at all. Uh, the second is the animation is, is very lacking. And the third is that um, there's not really a focus on framing things similar to how they were in the manga, or even like from a perspective of like a movie, like making sure that you capture the facial expressions to generate a certain emotion or framing the shot in a way that you can understand what's occurring when, when it's an action scene that's you know getting very hectic with a lot going on on the screen and things like that that kind of is a staple in hollywood 
um, all those things are kind of omitted and make it very difficult to like that series. <laughs> also, not to mention the horrendous sound design. The Dragon Slayer, which is uh, the main ca- the protagonist, guts his sword that he wields. It sounds like pans are being hit together. Yo, question. When he swings it. Question about this. Are they still using the same theme song for this? No, they're not using that theme song. Damn it. <laughs> uh, so what, what Leo's talking about is the 90s anime Berserk that has a very out of tune guitar lead in it. <laughs> I, that song confuses me to this day because it doesn't even suit the subject matter, in my opinion, at all. And the guitar is fully out of tune. And I can't believe that that passed like any type of <laughs> any type of uh, that shit was so you know? bad oh my god <laughs> uh but that that is like probably the worst thing that's about that 90 series i think the 90 series it, while not being perfect it's a it's a very good representation of the manga as, as good as you could get at that time with the money that they had the the animation team that they had, the the time period in which it was created, I think it's as good as it was going to get, and it's far far better than the the newer series. Um, so it does not do the justice to the franchise at all. The new series, I would actually prefer that it didn't exist. <laughs> and this is coming from a diehard Berserk fan because I feel like it does not do justice to the medium which is the manga at all and i would much rather watch the very dated 90s anime over that any day of the week so yes i think it's shit (laughs) do do you think the sounds very harsh but i think i've given a good argument why do you think the berserk series will end with guts dying that's a tough one and I feel like there's no real way to predict the way that the manga is going to go. And I'd rather just take the ride. Uh, it's, it is fun to speculate because, you know, I think everybody, even when it comes to things like Game of Thrones, uh, we were kind of speculating. Um, unfortunately, that didn't go the way people wanted it to, I'd say. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> but it is, it's definitely fun to speculate. I... You know, it is a pretty bleak and dark series. It, it could happen. Um, but to me, the fact that we're starting to have uh, Casca regain her memories, although she does have a ton of PTSD-like symptoms at the moment, um, I can't see the, him dying. Maybe he dies a tragic death after things get better. Or he dies because he's old or something like that. But you never know. I don't know. And I don't want to speculate, in other words. That was, that was awesome. That was a great spiel on that. And I guess this is another one for me here. The next question. I mean, I know the answer. <laughs> right? Do I know the answer? Do you know, do you know the meme answer or do you know the real answer? I know the meme answer. Okay. That, that's good because you're not a huge like anime guy. You're definitely not a huge Berserk guy. Um, just to give the listeners some background, the whole Berserk theme was, was my idea because I'm a big manga and anime fan and it's just it's my favorite manga it's my favorite anime the 90s version mm-hmm. um and i i just felt like this series was essentially the death metal of the anime world and i felt like uh death metal was the best type of music to kind of portray it 
Um, but also there's, there's definitely an element of, you know, prettiness and, and epicness. That's why we have some of those more cinematic and, uh, kind of passages that utilize choirs and whatnot. Cause I think that's a good, uh, kind of callback to what the, the series has to offer. Yeah. That was a fun project uh, for so me, it, for sure. Doing that. And you're kind of doing, you were doing that. I was like trying to show you things like the guts theme and, right, right. and whatnot. So to get, to give you the vibe and you were connecting with the music, which might I add the music from that nineties minus the theme song that might make <laughs> people's mad, but the guitar is out of tune. Okay. It is out of tune. We, it's out of tune. I don't care what anybody says it's out of tune. If your guitar is out of tune, that's not a good sign. Oh, dude, song. you, I mean, why would that make anybody mad? Like, that's just the truth. It's out of tune, man. <laughs> it doesn't sound good. But every other song in that manga is amazingly well composed. Um, I don't, actually, I don't think the guy that composed... I could be wrong in this. Um, I don't think the guy that composed the other parts of the series, like the kind of orchestral stuff and piano stuff and all that kind of stuff, I don't, I don't think he had anything to do with the theme song. So. I think that was a separate band or something like that. <laughs> so going on to the question, did Griffith do anything wrong? If we're talking about the meme, he did nothing wrong. If you're talking about the standpoint of a moral human being living on planet Earth, I would say to you, if, you, if Costco was a real person, would you go up to her and, and ask her, did Griffith do nothing wrong? And that kind of sums everything up. I don't even need to get into the philosophical arguments yeah. when it comes to that subject. <laughs> so that's kind of my position on that. And, but I will definitely meme with you if you ask me, did he do anything wrong? Which I have, I mean, we have, when we were touring with Signs of the Swarm, many people asked me while I was about to start uh, our set if Griffith did anything wrong. And I think that's hilarious. All right. Next question. Leo, what's your favorite Christian rock band? All right. Um... <laughs> uh, i'd say old school as i lay dying um or all right yeah, probably old school as i lay dying i would say it's my my well yeah, christian rock i don't know that's not christian rock but that's that's kind of metal i'd say yeah i mean but people kind of like if you're talking to a guy that's out in the country you, you might be able to say that's or i'm in a rock band and you but you play metal you know right, what i mean like right who else is Christian Nothing against people rock. in the country. I'm, I'm, yeah. I don't know. Like, Christian music is fire. Like, I remember... It is. I, I'd it's be, usually well-produced. Yeah. Like, like, I'd be driving in my car and, like, flicking through, like, Sirius Radio or whatever and land on the Christian channel, not knowing it was a Christian channel. And, like, there's some serious bangers. Um, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I, I don't think I could name, well, like, a Christian rock You know the band, band Skillet? They're Christian? Oh, what about, That's a Christian what about yeah. Flyleaf? They're Christian, right? Under Oath is not rock. I think, I think they are. Um, Flyleaf is, yeah. Flyleaf yeah. is Flyleaf, oh man. Um, Fire. A, a nice uh, old Switchfoot. Switchfoot. Whoa. Yeah. P.O.D. <laughs> really? <laughs> we are, we are. Yeah, yeah. Fire. Oh my God, dude. Wow. Yeah. Holy shit. I'd say Flyleaf. I'm going with Flyleaf. Reliant K? Dude, would you consider them a rock band? Sure. I guess they are. Yeah. Kinda. 
They might be more in the pop realm now. Um, Anne Berlin. Anne Berlin. He's a throwback. I guess the man. one that people might refer to like Hillsong United. That's like the most. Yeah. Uh, but they, they, they also like have all kinds of genres going on with Hillsong and so many different members and whatnot. But who are you? So who are you choosing? I think I would, I would rock. I would, I would pick like probably POD. Yeah. That'd be one of my picks. Maybe Thousand Foot Crutch. Thousand Foot Crutch. True. Yeah. Also fire. <laughs> Dude. What's that song? Uh, yeah. Come on, man. Let's talk about Flyleaf for a second. That song. I can feel you all around me. You remember that song? What's that song? Um, when did that come out? Dude, I don't know. It's They're from Texas. Oh, hell yeah. Dude, that chorus is huge. I love Texas. Oh, man. That's a great chorus. Everything's bigger in Texas, dude. You don't remember this? Oh, man. You got to look it up after. <laughs> that. that I, I'll definitely look it up after this. I remember when I first heard that chorus, I was like, damn, like that's the best chorus I've ever heard in my life. Just great, great melody. <laughs> Great melody. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> let's, let's move on. That was a good little tangent. Yeah. <laughs> How much maple syrup did you guys consume in writing? Uh, n- none. <laughs> yeah. I Honestly, the last time I had maple syrup was at Denny's in Pittsburgh. Uh, and, before, <laughs> and before that, I can't even remember the last time I had maple syrup. Yeah, I'm not a big maple syrup I'm not syrup a Canadian, guy. I guess. I mean, I like it. I'll eat yeah, it. It's if not it's a, a staple pancakes. of my diet. Right, right. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> um, what inspired the new album name and the transition to heavier music? So I'm assuming this is an after image listener asking. Yeah, that's that's what I thought as well. Uh, the name God Hand comes from the group of. I guess they're kind of ascended beings. They're kind of like demonic beings that have kind of transcended humanity and, and they have in insane amounts of power and kind of a role in the way that the world kind of moves humanity progresses um kind of governed by the idea of evil uh that's getting a little deep for people that might not know berserk but it kind of touches on members of that group and kind of how they operate it also it, it also talks about different characters in the series not just about the god hand as well but the main focus is kind of on the god hand and that portion of the manga and why the transition to heavier music honestly we kind of touched on that before but it was it was somewhat accidental because this was a side project for fun it would kind of just started to pick up and uh the other band was kind of slowing down a bit and we saw potential in the band and we had fun doing it and we've had some of the most fun we've had in years making this kind of stuff so i think it was just natural a natural progression yep sense Yep. Uh, uh, as, as silly as it seems, because it's it's such different music. If you think about it, they're both metal, but they're very different styles of music. Yeah, it's it's so like the writing process is a completely different story, and like uh, the way I think the way we interact with people is a lot different. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Like, and I I mean this in a good way. Like, I feel like it's it's like I was talking about before. Like, the voice of the band is less serious. And I feel like we can be ourselves a little bit more, um, I more so from a marketing standpoint and from a social media perspective. Like the Definitely. way the way we speak, we we are almost limitless, um, and we don't have to adhere to <laughs> a certain type of image. I think, because um, like we're just goofs, man. 
You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's, Oh, we're the biggest goofs ever. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think a lot of other people are too. And I, I hope that people appreciate like our memes and shit. And well, I, I think they do. They've done really well, which is awesome. Um, and that's just us being ourselves. Yeah. Like we're just goofing around. It's, it's like, yeah. So, um, we're all memesters. Yeah. I, I, I think the transition was, was pretty easy to do and it, we kind of just winged it and, um, now we're here. So I think that sums that up. All right. Um, how do we feel about the, the Bob Lazar documentary? I know very minimal information about him. I know that he is a guy that claims that he worked in a sect of Area 51 to deconstruct UFOs or something oh, like that. Oh, this guy. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of bands use some of his talking points in their music, I think. Is he, um, is he sampled at all? Is he that sample? I think he might be sampled. I think it might be him. I'm not 100% sure, so don't quote me on that. But I, I, I can't comment too much on it because I don't know enough. And maybe I'll watch that, actually, now that you've mentioned it. Yeah, I got to check it out. I, I've heard about it. I don't have an opinion, um, but I'll definitely watch it and uh, we'll get back to you on that, I guess. For sure. All right. Uh, favorite Berserk character? So mine, I usually will pick two. The first is going to be obviously, I think everybody's favorite character is going to be Guts. Um, There's going to be a, a, an odd comparison to make, but think about, I think most people like Spider-Man as a character. And the reason why they like Spider-Man is not just because he can spin a web and, you know, he has superpowers, but he's a guy that lives in Brooklyn that has a job. He can't get there on time a lot of the time and gets in trouble. He has a girlfriend, which he has difficulty maintaining his relationship with. And he has the struggles of an everyday regular guy while having a ton of responsibility and power. And although it's much darker and much more bleak, Guts is a relatable character on a, in a human level. Um, he's incredibly strong, but this is power that he gained by training and by having um, kind of a, an insane mindset and um, work ethic. So I think, you know, and the struggles that he has had in his life uh, are due to past traumas, which are. I feel like many of us would feel the same way. None of it. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to ground and kill a hundred men in one shot due to their, you know, ability to fight well. Uh, but I think the, the struggles that he endures, you can connect with and, he, and you can understand on a human level. So that's why I like guts. Uh, in terms of the God hand members, I like void. And I recently found out that void does not have a body. And this hasn't really been touched on the in the manga, but there are some statues of the character, and his he's, there's no body underneath his cape. He is a, I believe, just a spinal cord and a skull with a brain. Connected. Oh, that's he's the one who Which does the very, quote. Yeah, he he does the quote. Uh, that's very messed up, and I think it's kind of cool, in a way. And I and he's also. 400 iq so i think that's interesting as well he's very philosophical i'm going okay i said zod but i'm changing it to puck uh all right yeah 
because Puck is an elf of the Pisky race, um, and they are descendants of the ancient spirits of wind. And uh, that's <laughs> that is sick. So uh, that's my choice. Plus, he's a jokester. Yeah, he's he's mad cute. All right, now we're getting into some silly territory here with some of these questions. The next ones. All right, uh, favorite attack attack album. Uh, I'm going with the self titled AC 130s. I actually have the same thing. Yeah, same thing for me. Um, yeah, I mean that's I think that's the heaviest one in my opinion. Hell yeah, that one. That uh, one was. Dope. I, I mean the the what's the first record com called again? Oh, don't ask me. Uh, I have no idea. I, I wasn't a huge I mean, attack, this attack di- guy. Neither was I really. Uh, Smokeahontas was one of the songs that I remember liking a lot. I was never, yeah, I was not really huge into them as much. I was more of like a Devil Wears Prada guy. Yeah, me too. In this kind of era of this, this kind of, I wasn't big into the crab phenomenon, I guess. I wasn't huge into, um, what was another, what was the other band that was like this, like Asking Alexandria? Yeah, I only recently got into them. Like, their um, early stuff. Yeah. Now, now they're sick. Yeah, they're amazing now. Like the kind of more rock oriented stuff. Oh, so good. That's really it's really good. And Taylor Larson killed the production on that too. It's yeah, nasty. He did. he did. I will say, like, Danny is such a fantastic vocalist. Um and like, oh yeah. He, his voice has so much character. It's it's crazy. And I, I like you wouldn't think a guy who sings like that would fit in a band like this. Um, but it it their newest album. I forget what the name is. I think it's self-titled, actually. Is it? I think it is, yeah. I think it's um, self-titled. Self yeah. I'll double-check that one. Fire album. Oh, man. Whoever, whoever uh, wrote those top lines with him, or maybe he just did it himself, I don't know. But Maybe he's doing it because he, he does like country stuff as well. Yeah, so that's I true. Feel like that's true, yeah. You got to have a good uh, sense of melody to be writing that kind of stuff. Yeah, crazy. How do you deal with having to shit in the van? I feel like I feel like you were gonna say something insightful and then I just cut you off. No, no, we're good. Okay, so when it comes to peeing and you're you know, you're trying to crank out those drives, you wanna avoid peeing frequently. So you try to wanna you wanna pee in bottles and stuff. Uh but the problem was with our suspension, it was it was a bit rocky for the van we, we were using. We fixed it now, but... So you couldn't really pee in bottles very easily. Now, if you got a poop, um, you, gotta, you probably got to hold it until, like, usually we'll drive, maybe take two and a half to four hours at a time, and then you're probably going to have to poop in a gross gas station or a McDonald's. So, uh, unless you got to, like, spray, I think <laughs> you're going to hold it. Yep. <laughs> so that's that's a bit of a weird question, but I mean that's a real life answer for you. All right, Leo, how many tacos can you fit in your ass? Well, uh I'm not I'm not entirely certain of like the diameter. I haven't I haven't looked back there in a long time, so I would say maybe like 3. I mean, are we, are we talking hard shell or soft tacos? If it's like, if it's hard I mean, shell, I feel like you get more in. Yeah, soft tacos, I mean Maybe like eight, I feel like. Eight? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to think about how large your cavity expands. Like you could, you could fit some, you could fit some good stuff in there. But if we're talking like hard shell, uh, one. That, 
I mean, all of it would be uncomfortable. But I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying like it would be a good experience. I'm just saying like if it if it was soft, (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) If it was soft shell, I'm going I'm going eight. All right. I I I think that makes sense. I feel like even if you're like a taller guy, I don't think it's going to extend your reach in terms of expansion (laughs) and stuff like that, you know? (laughs) I think you're going to have relatively the same amount of expansion regardless of your size. So I'll probably go around the same. You're going with eight? Uh, yeah, I'll go with eight. Okay. <laughs> Thoughts on periphery? I think we, we, we kind of talked a little bit about this. Yeah, I don't know why um, we're talking about periphery so much this time. Um, some of my first experiences with touring was actually with periphery back in like 2010. I did like a, I guess you could call it like a weekend warrior type run. It was just like in the middle of the week, like four or five shows uh, towards the weekend. And this was back with a band that was called Structures. Um, And I was, I was singing for a band called Centuries Apart at the time, which was only a band for about a year, Uh, a very, very short lived band. Uh, And I learned a lot from Periphery. Uh, at that time because uh they were doing things even when it came to like stage gear that i hadn't seen bands do before like implementing um kind of simulation technology i guess like your the axe effects and stuff like and pods in a live setting i hadn't really seen that used before and i think at that time they were using pa speakers live instead of cabs so i thought that was really interesting uh, and I remember kind of sitting in their van and, and listening to Periphery One and just kind of taking in how revolutionary that record was going to be. Um, and then it, my personal favorite record is going to be Periphery Two um, mm-hmm. when it comes to their stuff. Um, and that had a huge influence on the way the afterimage went, I think. Yep. From a vocal perspective and. Because that's actually one of their most pop albums, I'd say, uh, when it came when it comes to a vocal approach, yeah, uh, and, and melody choice, um, yeah. So I mean, I think Periphery is an excellent band, and I think they've done things not only from a business standpoint but also a musical standpoint that changed the game. Right. Yeah, uh, I'm in agreement. I think um, I think Periphery is awesome, and um, I'll always be a fan of those. Uh, of those guys as guys, even though I don't know them, I just think that um, they're all really, really smart and they have a really unique approach to what they do. Um, and I think P2, like as, as in terms of like listening to them, their discography for me stops at Periphery 2. And that's not because I don't like anything after that. It's just because my tastes, I think, have changed. So I, I, Same. I, I don't really listen to that style of metal anymore. But um, Periphery 2 is such a great album and it it changed everything like I think well I mean like I can attribute that album specifically probably to the the rise of Gent in general like I I think it was up and coming but when that album came out um, everybody just started doing it um, and they obviously did it the best um i just think they brought a lot of new stuff to the table and and that really influenced me when i was writing at the time um 
And I think it had a huge influence on how we wrote with the after image as well. Um, yeah, every facet, vocals, you know, even production standpoint and everything. Yeah, it was just, um, yeah, a really incredible album and a really great band. And I, I think, I think they're, they're timeless. Like they've solidified their place um, in heavy music, I think, like forever. They're up there with like Dream Theater now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So good for them. I'm stoked on them. Always will be. Um, all right. Favorite Berserk moment. Okay. Um, I think I have kind of two big ones. Uh, the first one, which is, can, you can see it in the 90s um, anime, is the first moment that the kind of tension and kind of love interest finally starts to blossom into something and Guts and Casca finally kiss and embrace each other. I think that the way that that's framed and drawn in the manga is, is absolutely breathtaking. And you feel it. You're just looking at still images. You feel those emotions as, as someone who's just reading a, a manga, which is an incredible. I, I think that's like one of my favorite moments in general, uh, you know, from a positive standpoint in any type of um, anime or, or manga media. Uh, in terms of like more of like badass moment, I'd say when Guts finally uh, puts on the Berserker armor, uh, that's that's an incredible moment, and it was completely ruined in the 2017 anime. But we won't talk about that. <laughs> All right, favorite tour memory. Oh man! All right, so I got I got a couple of them. Like I I haven't done a whole lot of touring, but I have a few memories um the first being way back on the aska after image tour in like 2011 2012 <laughs> that's how um, we met that's how we met yeah um actually it's funny because um Ascariasis thought that the after image were dicks during that tour because <laughs> like nobody you guys wouldn't talk to us or anybody at least that's what we thought um at the time anyways so my favorite memory i think well one of them comes from that tour when and i don't know if i don't think you guys were there but we went to some restaurant in ottawa with bobster and um i don't know i think we just boozed tell, had a good time. tell the people who bobster is all right bobster <laughs> bobstrich nick bobster uh, really good friend of ours. Um, just a really great guy. I like, I've had a, uh, I had a project with him called the Northern. Um, neither of us are in that project anymore, but, um, he, I met him, I met him on that tour. Um, and we just ended up, uh, maintaining our relationship throughout the years. He's just a really great dude, a really supportive guy. Um, and I, I don't think tons of heart. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he's just, he's a saint. You know, he's just a really good person. And I think um, I probably wouldn't still be trying to do music um, if he wasn't there to like with his kind words and support and like his stokeness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, just a really good guy to have around. Um, super positive vibe. But anyway, um, yeah, it was I was with him and Stormwalker, <laughs> which which was his band at the time. Um, I think we just had like a really good time at a restaurant. Like we were boozing and eating yeah. nachos and shit and Bobster was just being bop. So <laughs> bopping around. Um, so there's that. <laughs> and then, um, 
in Japan, um, I can't really name like one particular memory that stands out, but I think that whole little mini tour was like the best thing ever. It was just a really good time. I agree. Yeah. Definitely want to go back there. Oh, yeah. Um, just to give everyone some background, as, uh, we touched on it a little bit before, but our old band, The After Image, we did um, a couple dates in Tokyo and in Osaka with another band that was on the same label of us as us called uh, Earthus. They brought us down. Uh, and both shows were sold out. It was an absolutely incredible experience. And um, honestly, I think it changed my life. I can't speak for Leo, but um, it just kind of made me appreciate um, creating music and, and kind of the, the, the benefits and, and, and just kind of seeing how something that you create in your bedroom years ago could kind of cultivate into something that has an impact on other people on the other side of the planet. It was just absolutely humbling for me. Yeah. I think, I think that that's why, um, like I can't name a single memory in particular because the whole experience just sort of it was gratifying in a sense in a sense that like everything we had worked on in that band and throughout all the fuck ups and like the downs and there were a lot of them in that band um so oh, yeah. paid off um by having the chance to go there and like play for our listeners there and meet so many amazing people like i don't it, it was like it was a great way to begin to close that chapter of my life personally and move on to something else um with new knowledge in mind mm-hmm. um so I think that's that little mini tour is something I'll always uh, cherish. I agree. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd say, yeah, the, probably the number one is going to be the whole Japan experience, uh, actually being on stage and just kind of feeling the energy and having people sing the words to your songs Yeah, uh, that don't even necessarily speak the same language as you is just absolutely, it's breathtaking and mind blowing. and um just made me very very humbled and just so grateful and thankful for people that you know have put the passion into this kind of music cuz it definitely this metal music is is a niche it's it's growing a lot and it does have a a wide reach in some ways but just to see that on the other side of the world is just it was just a crazy experience yeah i'll tell you um, um, so yeah when I, the, when the the first time when the onyx synths uh kicked in and like everybody was clapping and like everyone was stoked i was just like damn that's that's incredible like we were like drunk at fucking o'connor writing the, <laughs> writing that <laughs> yeah. shitty 8-bit synth that like i was planning to change when we like sent that over to jordan um yeah but it just ended up being in there anyway it's just it's just crazy how like everything came together and we ended up playing that over there and it was it was really cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely my favorite uh, touring experience. And I've had a lot of I, I've done some tours. I haven't done a ton of touring in my life. I've been in various bands that have done tours here and there. Uh, I did really like when the After Image got to play Eastern Canada of all things. Um, those shows were nowhere near like the Japan levels or anything like that. But I got to really experience how beautiful Canada actually is as a country, and yeah, I think it's definitely underrated for how beautiful the the landscape and um and we went in the summertime so that the weather was really nice and we got to go kind of on the on the shorelines of halifax and it was just it was just beautiful and very 
I was able to kind of meditate and kind of clear my mind in a way that I hadn't been able to in other places and just breathing in that fresh air. It was just incredible. So, uh, that was a little bit different than kind of your standard tour experiences, but, uh, I would love to go back there and play again. What was your favorite song to write? All right. Favorite song to write like off the album. <laughs> Probably. It says just favorite song to write. I would assume it's pertaining to brand of sacrifice. So we'll stick to that. Yeah. Well, I think, I think brand of sacrifice songs have been my favorites to write. Probably. I really liked doing divinity. No, I'm going to say fortress. I think fortress is pro- was probably my favorite yeah. to write. It just came out to be a banger. And like, I, I feel like we took a more, um, like a, a more linear, almost like hip hoppy approach to that song. Oh yeah. Um, and like that, that song just kind of wrote itself too. It was just, uh, it was really easy to write that those grooves and stuff. I, like once, once you lay out that opening, like slipknotty doomy riff, everything else just came after naturally. And like, I, I, I hadn't heard that in Deathcore very much. Like with those, um, I like to call them slipknotty elements, like with the uh, the white noise, almost like scratching, building up at the yep. very beginning. Um, I've always wanted to write music like that because, like, I used to love Slipknot, like way back in the day. Like, that's actually why I started playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, so after, I yeah, I think I think Fortress was the most fun to write because, like, I, even though it's really linear, it definitely allowed for a lot of um, experimentation in terms of like groove and electronic elements and like right. throwing it back to some thrashy and like new metally elements as well so it's back man it's not dead dude yeah no it's definitely not dead definitely not uh and i think one of the really cool aspects that i feel like we don't talk about as much is that we wrote a groovy bouncy slam riff yeah true <laughs> it, it's, it's it doesn't have like a like a your standard like double kick underneath it it's like a grooved slam riff so I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. And like like it's your your basic like 3-2-1 slam progression, but kind of polyrhythmic, which is uh yeah, which is kind of cool. Uh for me, I'd probably say that I would probably go with that one too when it came to the the vocals because we got to do kind of more of like a group vocal type thing uh with the death is part the line is death is not the enemy, but it kind of says death is not the enemy, but it kind of bounces. But I think that's really cool. And we did that with, with divinity as well. Um, right. So I think those, those two are my, probably my favorites to write just because we, we wrote them in a way that could have a lot more engagement with, uh, people that are listening to the song. Mm-hmm. There's more, more to sing along to. Yeah, I love I love the vocal patterns in both those songs. I think that's definitely part of the reason why Fortress was my favorite to write because the vocals, um, the patterns in in that song are just phenomenal. So like sing songy and like you can you can just sing along with it. I was listening to a lot of like Puya and like Ghost Mane and stuff. I was listening to hip hop. Yeah, a dude, lot at I, that time, I remember so you telling me. I think me, it might have like, reflected. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were telling me that that it it helped a lot when writing uh, the, like the patterns to this song, which is sick. Like, I feel like rapping I think that's stuff the key. does. Yeah. Cause a lot of times people they'll learn to 
to growl well or you know get those high shriek screams and stuff like that and they got good technique but there's there's kind of a an art to writing the patterns and and the words in a way that is, you can sing along to and also like you know bounce with you know it's, yeah, dude. it's it's kind of a whole other skill it's like you almost have to manage being a vocalist while also being a percussionist because i feel like vocals are yeah, very much a percussion yeah it's very much a percussion uh instrument in a sense like if you if you don't have tempo down then like you're not going to sound good <laughs> you know and I, I see a lot of young guys that they've got ex- excellent tone they can do some of the craziest guttural screams and stuff like that but their timing isn't there so right i would recommend that people that might have struggles with that listen to hip-hop and practice to a metronome that'll help you all right man explain the pig squeal (laughs) (laughs) okay uh like i don't know if this means how to do it or like where does it come from so i guess we'll kind of talk about where it comes from i mean i don't know a, a ton about this to be honest um i would say i would say I just this remember is more like how how to do it i feel like because like why why would it, okay. somebody ask you about the history of the pig squeal <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> okay um so the pig squeal there's two ways to do it there's an inhaled way which i don't recommend doing uh that's kind of the way that people used to do it back in like 2006 to 2008 to that time period uh, I wouldn't recommend doing that because that can really damage your throat and your vocal cords and things like that. Um, but one of the bands that got me into pig squeals was Despise Icon. Because I think they used them in a way that was was very interesting. And they actually had patterns to the way that the, the squeals were done. It wasn't just a, like a long held squeal just for the sake of it. Um, and that's done exhaled. So it's a combination of uh, kind of putting your tongue on the roof of your mouth and uh, kind of manipulating the sound that you make when you're kind of annoyed with someone so, and, or frustrated when you're like, ah, you know, like kind of upset. So you kind of manipulate that type of sound uh, and put your tongue on the roof of your mouth. Uh, I won't get too much into that, uh, but that's kind of the basis behind it. There's lots of tutorials on YouTube and stuff like that on how to do it exactly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a combination of manipulating that kind of, uh, the, uh, sound with putting your tongue in the roof of your mouth and then pushing from power that comes from the diaphragm. Uh, so from your gut, I guess, to put it simply and manipulating it, pushing that air and manipulating it with your, uh, your throat. Um, but you don't get the power from your throat. That's the key. Cause otherwise you're going to wake up the next morning and sound like Marge Simpson and be in pain so uh you want to avoid that so that's kind of a, a basic idea of how to do it yeah that shit isn't easy man i, I don't know how you do half the shit that you do it's crazy <laughs> just a lot of practice i guess over the years yeah true and a ton of it's actually trial and error and just once you've got something down even if it's not exactly how you want it to sound you just keep practicing it and eventually it'll you'll get there like there were it was probably about in the last two years, I got my lows to the point to where they sound now on Brandon Sacrifice. I my lows were not that good in After Image. I I had to really practice them to get to the point that I'm at uh, with the Brandon Sacrifice stuff. I didn't know how to do gutturals. 
I didn't know how to do, um, actually didn't really know how to do exhaled squeal, uh, pig squeals that well. Uh, but it was just kind of figuring out how to do it with the techniques that I knew and, and practicing as much as possible and recording myself constantly to a metronome. That's the other thing. Yeah. Um, I record every weekend for hours, almost every weekend. And that's like for, for various things that I'm doing. And that has been a huge key to where my technique lies. And then touring will give you the endurance and having proper cardio. Uh, unfortunately I don't have the best cardio, I'm a bigger guy, but you know, that comes with touring too. So that'll help. Yeah. I feel like when you record yourself and you're able to hear yourself too, as long as you have the fundamentals, like the fundamental elements of screaming down and you can hear yourself as it's played back to you, you can probably mess around with it a lot and figure out new types of shit just from doing that. All right. All right. We got a couple more left. That's right. Two more. Is God Hand a concept album? If not, do you plan on writing one based on Berserk in the future? <laughs> I think we okay. This. I guess this is pretty much we've already talked about this for the most part. So let's kind of do a quick summary. Uh, God Hand is it's not really a concept album because it talks about a number of different subjects. I guess you could say it is because it's Berserk. It's related to the Berserk lore. So if you want to say it's a it is, then I guess, but. So same with the interstice as well. Uh, it's kind of more of like a high level overview of the God Hand as as a group, but also different uh, characters as well. So maybe I wouldn't say it's a, a concept album. Actually, no. Uh, and do we plan on writing on? Do you plan on writing one based one on Berserk in the future? Okay. Um, maybe not. You never know. It, it might be or it might not be, but there is definitely going to be another release that's Berserk related for sure. All right. Last question. And I'll let you answer this one. Why are you guys the heaviest band on the planet right now? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if we're the heaviest on the planet, but um, I feel like we're pretty heavy. Um, and why that is because uh it's getting late i can barely speak anymore (laughs) uh just because man because that's just the way it is and sometimes you just gotta deal with the way the cookie crumbles and that's how it's gonna be how about you man uh i definitely don't think we're the heaviest band on the planet there's probably much heavier bands out there um but i think we're heavy because we have fun with it. And that's maybe the main takeaway is just having fun. Yeah, this, this whole podcast has just been about having, having a good time. Key message. Let's make sure you're that's having right. fun. All right. Well, those are, those are all the questions that we have curated for this one. Um, that's right. We're going to figure out where to put this up. And if you do happen to listen to it, let us know what you think. Give us some feedback. Let us know if we should do another one. I'm thinking we should bring a guest on if we do this again. That'd be sick. Yeah, definitely. I feel like we could talk about talk about someone from another band and and talk about their band or something like that. Be cool. Yeah, be awesome. Because I feel like I feel like we don't really get a chance to talk one on one with um, like other bands uh, unless we're on tour with them. Like you don't get to hear about other people's perspectives. And I I I know I would be curious to hear how other people approach like their writing styles and how they approach marketing or if it's like completely hands off. Um, 
and all that stuff. And even if like we just want to talk about marketing and stuff too, because um, I feel like um, we kind of know what we're doing when it comes to that. Like we're not perfect, but I feel like we've done a good job over the past year or so. Yeah. And I feel like that that's a topic that I that I think that we both really love. And we yeah, can both we're, speak we're to. definitely marketing snobs. And I feel like it's super important for up and coming bands, uh, especially in our genre, to talk about that. Or we could just talk about music, whatever. I mean, either or. Yeah, you guys tell us. Um, yeah, so hope you enjoyed. See you on the. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs> see, Word see you solid. later. All right, all right, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, make sure to pre-order God Hand out July fifth on Unique Leader Records if you haven't already. Um, and hope you enjoyed the new album. Take care. Peace. Pre-order God Hand. Yeah.